Dad, look at that. <laughs> Ford Mustang. What do you think? I think it's the secretary's car. I like it. Oh, excuse, excuse me. Would you, would you not do that? Oh, sorry. Are, is this is this your son? Yes, it is. Would you ask him to keep his hands off the paintwork? No, 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 Peter. You're okay. Who are you? Leo Beebe, senior executive vice president of Ford Motor Company. Uh, I'm responsible for the launch of the Mustang. Well, at least now we know who's responsible. Don't get me wrong, Lenny. Leo. It looks fantastic, but inside, it's a lump of lard dressed up to fool the public. My advice is lose the inline six and that idiotic three-speed shorten the wheelbase somehow lose half a ton and lower the price Dad. but even then i'll still choose a chevy chevelle that's a fucking terrible car <laughs> trilogy in theory my name is webb and this is my co-host mike and we finish our trilogy this month with the 2019 flick ford v ferrari this is a rare one because we don't normally talk about recent films but this one kind of fit our theme this month and uh why don't you kick us off here well i love when you bring that up because you are on the record on the show saying hey i started this whole process with harvey <laughs> Uh, way back in the uh, the glory days of cinema, <laughs> and yet every time a new month is around the corner, you're like, "All right, so I've got this uh, 2006 and up uh, trilogy in mind." <laughs> and I'm I always think about you, Webb, because I'm like, I thought we were gonna go back, but no, we just keep inching closer to uh, uh, a new release show. Is what's happening? I guess I should have uh, recommended. The werewolf and Abbott and Costello crossover. I feel like that's what we should be talking about right now. I know, right? I, I am very much guilty of that. Uh, I'll, I'll try to be better. But honestly, when we we naturally think about the more recent films, I guess. Like it's, as we get older, it, that's the stuff that we kind of grew up with and we know a little bit better. Is that why? Well, I do have some feedback. So there's a, a couple points I brought to this particular episode because i knew that would come up like while we're okay we're into 2019 territory so uh dave from off-screen death he said that he liked when we picked films from different decades and we didn't do it this time we started there we were 96 and he's like yeah i really like when you all like pick i guess basically assemble a trilogy uh that not only is from different filmmakers which is a key point of the show we're not doing the you know, Cronenberg's thematic trilogy of this, that, the other. 
But yeah, he he likes that. So that means that he gives a big thumbs down to this one because we <laughs> we took a wrong turn with the final two entries, I guess. But the only super fan, the only uh, positive input we've had uh, at R2 is good. Um, who unfortunately, uh, I think we just refer to him as just R2 because <laughs> neither one of us know him as <laughs> a real human, just as a handle. Seems like a very nice guy. Uh, I only call him super fan cause he, I think he tweeted once saying, I like at trilogy in theory. And that's all it took to be like, you're the, you're the best. <laughs> you're the greatest well, because man. Because literally uh, the only I... two other people who say that they like us as you and me <laughs> that's it. which let's be honest that's the most important ones because you lose either one of us there's no more show <laughs> so really we have to keep ourselves happy and uh to hell with everyone else but i noticed and i i had this kind of set aside i did have to do a little bit of scrolling uh right before we started recording that a couple months ago uh super fan uh r2 at r2 is good uh, had uh, a tweet. Ford versus Ferrari is going on my comfort movies list. <laughs> and you responded, and I'm like, oh no, where's this going to go? Because this is already on our short list. And your response was, with that ending? Just like, <laughs> and I feared coming into this web. That's how I know I'm opening with the ending, and we'll get there. So without getting the weeds on that, my fear when I saw that tweet was, is this another Batman Returns? Because poor R2 loves Batman Returns. I think he tweeted that and was like, getting ready to check out Trilogy in Theory talking about Batman Returns. <laughs> and I'm like, we're going to lose our only fans. So, uh, I don't think you and I have had a conversation about this film before. I don't think so. So, I'm concerned coming into this that it didn't uh, didn't please you, that you didn't enjoy well, let it. let me assuage some of your concerns by telling you about how much I don't enjoy chemistry. Uh, I majored in biology in college because uh, I think my, my parents had uh, dreams of me becoming a doctor and I was like let me just try to hold that off a little longer and I was like well I guess I can major in biology in the meantime and then it all just came crashing down <laughs> I had to take a chemistry class and I do not enjoy chemistry at all I ended up uh, taking this course with someone named Dr. Court and he was like a very skinny Paul Giamatti, like I it, that like affectation, like that's the kind of oh man that had to stir up all sorts of feelings <laughs> for you. Then. And the thing, yeah, the thing is, he was very acerbic, but he actually cares quite a bit about teaching and students and getting them to understand the material. So I came into that course knowing, like, I hate chemistry. I don't care about it. I just don't get it. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy who's got this really odd personality that I kind of was very attracted to. I was like, oh, this guy's got, like a Dr. House type <laughs> uh, uh, superficial facade that he's got going on. But he's really got the heart of gold. And so the way that he taught... Look, you don't have to explain to me your attraction to Paul Giamatti. That's well-trodden <laughs> yes. ground. Go back to our January month with uh, Sideways. Or hell, even uh, October, right? American That's Splendor. Right. Twice for the man. And so he presented the material in such a way that it just clicked. And all of a sudden, I was a chemistry fiend. And I got I got an A in his chemistry one and two course. So uh, I was extremely pleased with the way that he taught it. And it got me really thinking about, you know, it's all about how you present this material. And the same thing kind of happened with the Western Civilization course that I took. 
So I come into Ford versus Ferrari not caring about NASCAR, not caring about uh, car racing in general. I never really considered it a real sport. And so I think it's a real testament to the entire crew, uh, Mangold, uh, the cast, everything. The cinematography, all that good stuff. Uh, the sound mixing, I think that's the, the the big award that it took away at the Oscars. It was loud, right? That's what Academy <laughs> yeah. voters are going for. That's, that's right. the loudest this year. <laughs> <laughs> Give it an Oscar. <laughs> and because of that, because of the way that it was presented and packaged into this uh, a film that found a way for me to enjoy the content, I actually did enjoy a very large percentage of this film. What about yourself? Did you did you catch it in theaters? I, I I did. Yeah, I think I was late to it because I I like you. I'm not a uh, car racing or really probably any racing enthusiast. They're on horses as well. Um, actually, I probably have bigger problems with horses because you know we are taking a living being <laughs> and using them uh, like a machine. Uh, if people want to set themselves on fires and be reckless, that's that's fine. And I guess the film kind of kind of briefly gets into that which is one thing i really like about it is you have a couple conversations with uh christian bale's kid here and there's at one point where he crashes and is on fire and the best that this stranger can console this child with is uh i mean everything's good as long as you can get out of the car you gotta get out of the car <laughs> you don't get out of the car well you know it's just like and it's like that is his dad you're, you're using as the example of like see he's walking it off but no, I, I'm pretty sure I waited when I guess in my mind it got like a, a surprise best picture nomination, but it's kind of drifted that direction where there's a there's a real bias, at least on film Twitter, to classics or studio Hollywood mythmaking, which this sort of revels in a little bit. So I was happy that I caught up with it and I only did during the like, Oh, I need to watch all the best picture nominees for that year and had no real interest in this other than I like, I like Bale and Damon. Uh, I'm not a like Logan super fan where I'm like, <laughs> like you hear idiots now saying the Russo brothers are God. They're top five filmmakers. I also did not think that about James Mankold after uh, Logan either. That didn't move the needle for me one way or the other, but I'm looking at the reviews and uh, you know, I feel like this was like considered the boring pick for that uh oscar season on film twitter like only old dads who sit in a bark lounge and drink beer like this then i look you know th this is why you never take your cues from film twitter or letterbox i look 92 percent from the critics on rotten tomatoes and 98 percent from audiences this is i mean this is an ast astounding uh score and an adored film if you just go by those metrics but if i got on twitter this would be very unhip and uncool. Uh, so I guess that's, you know, that's my version, a really bad version of the Philip Seymour Hoffman speech <laughs> about being uncool, <laughs> almost famous. I really dug this. I don't, and I don't, uh, you know, on rewatch, I was almost like a little bit hesitant because I had not gone back to it. And I remember enjoying the surprise factor of just being kind of swept away by something that I wasn't really expecting to be that engaged with. And I was a little scared to come in and i certainly was scared when i saw your tweets when you're like with that ending like <laughs> how could anyone like this movie
but it's still it's still work for me, Web. And it's it's about I guess it's about the bond between these two men. Even though I think I feel like the supporting characters, other than uh what is that guy's name? Sweet home Alabama dude, uh who kind of just disappeared on us. Josh Lucas. He is extremely one note. I really I don't know if that and there was an actual person like that, but I really detest anytime he's on screen. I guess you're supposed to, but they do bang that drum repeatedly a bit much for my life. He does become a bit of a character, the mustache twirling villain. And from the research that I did on this film, everyone who knew the actual uh, Leo Baby, I think, was kind of astounded to see this caricature of villain that was portrayed on screen because apparently he was a nice guy and always lit up a room and all that. So it's kind of interesting to see, uh, I guess, the screenwriter and the filmmakers had to kind of decide, like, how do we portray this? Like, do we need a foil? And... I go back to something that I think uh, Aaron Sorkin talked about is like he's not interested in presenting the real life events like that's not what the whole point of it whatever serves the film better if it makes this film better or and it gives it that extra little wrinkle that it needs to get over and get these characters over and make this connection then that's what it'll do what's best for the script well, I'm sure the real life Sorkin feels that way he's like say say my pretty words over and over i want <laughs> every character to say them exactly the same way because i write one character over <laughs> <Right>. and over again <laughs> and, and i think that it was a i hate to say it but i kind of liked that he was there because it really did make me invest in miles story that much more and anytime shelby he walks the line between that, like, being a snake oil salesman a little bit versus being somebody who is genuine and cares about his friend. And so in each of those moments where he's saying, fuck you, you know, to uh, the Josh Lucas character, I liked it. I liked all those character building moments. He's probably, Matt Damon is probably playing the best version of middle management, whereas, you know, Lucas is the guy that's interfering with art in a way it's like yeah you have your computers and your technicians they, they want it to be um you know another great sports film that i love is Moneyball, where they they want to put it down to a science as far as get this player do these things they're easily replaceable we can swap them out with someone else doing a very similar uh thing similar skill set and uh here you know there's a great emphasis on the christian bale character Ken Miles that, uh, no, he, I mean, they even get into a whole bit with his son where he's like, he talks about how he sees in the vehicle, like the, the landscape and all these things. Like, he, you know, he, he does this little visual thing where he's basically saying you can't be like sort of tunnel visioned in to this like tiny scope that you have to look at everything. And, uh, Damon, you know, is, I guess the ideal of like, look, you know, there's some, there's a, a practical way of how we're going to have to go about this, man. Like, you know, you, you can't, you can't be total Zen master out there and then raging and like breaking up the car. Um, but I do really like their dynamic so much that I almost feel like you don't need Josh Lucas, like that push and pull. It's like a, like sort of a Lennon McCartney thing they have going on except with cars. And yes, it does unite. They do have a uniting force of someone they can both equally, I guess, despise, Someone uh, like John Bernthal's character, I feel like plays that much better where he's like, yeah, you know, you guys are likable. Like I'm rooting for you, but here's what the, bo here's what the money man is saying. Here's what the boss is saying. I'm just trying to relay that to you like in the best way possible. But it's, it's a weird, I think it's a weird thing for Americans to wrap their head around. Not only just this 
sporting event, which we still don't know what the fuck it is. I mean, in international territories, it was actually named after the race. And here, that would mean fuck all <laughs> to us. It's like, <laughs> I know what Ford and Ferrari are. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah, you can sell me that. And honestly, I do think that's a better title. But I, I think that the ending is not going to sit well with sports fans. And this is a sports movie. I may not be a sports very popular here, but the idea of like rooting for a tie and it's a tie that doesn't work out, but I I don't think Americans that just, we're just too much about the individual, even in a team sport, we still like to find like, well, okay. Yeah. The, the Lakers won the championship, but it's really LeBron James won yet another ring. Yeah. We like to root for the individual accomplishment as well. Maybe more so than, than other, you know, European countries. I don't know, but I think that was why they needed a villain, a villain and a heel to, to place the blame on. Because if it was just pure accident, if it was just the Americans trying to do something that is seemingly kind of cool, like we're going to go in as a united front and say the whole team won. I don't know if that's as satisfying of a movie ending. If there's like, oh, we just all kind of fucked up because we didn't really <laughs> read the rules. <laughs> Instead, we have someone that we want. You know, Matt Damon gets to attempt to beat up and Josh Lucas. Well, I, I'm going to kind of bring it full circle here, I think. And you actually just showcased the problem, and that's me and the people like me. Because it's not enough that the film is going to be about a team or this one man going up against this incredible obstacle and overcoming it. You have to put in these side plots to make you care about it. It's not enough that uh, the triumph of the human spirit isn't enough of a compelling story. It's like you need the mustache twirling villain. So I guess I'm part of the the peanut gallery who needs a little bit of that. I hate to say Dumb it. Dumb American web, <laughs> yet again. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that you touched upon is the dynamic between Matt Damon and Christian Bale, between Shelby and Miles, because... In the earlier scripts, before Mangold was even attached to this thing, it was kind of an ensemble piece. And it was about the team rather than these two individuals. But because, like I mentioned, the snake oil salesman personality of Shelby and just that pure, unadulterated passion of Miles, they clash so well together. And that's what the film, that's the heart of the film, is the two of them, their relationship and their desire to kind of be the best film kind of zigs where you expected to zag and like the, the homestead stuff. Like I remember sitting in theaters thinking like, Oh God, like the, the nagging wife part, like, God, what a thankless role. Like, you know, you, you got to get off the road. You're going to kill yourself. And it's like, we've seen it a thousand times. <laughs> I love the reversal of that scene where, uh, what she's really just asking for is just honesty. She, uh, she even says something to the effect, uh, to to Ken Miles uh, as she's driving recklessly yeah. on the road. They come back from getting groceries and she's sort of been interrogating him by threatening uh, a car crash with him in it, which I love that the, the turnabout there because he's a man that clearly he's gone uh, at higher speeds. Uh, he's been in a more dangerous situation behind the wheel, but he was the one making the decisions and it was he was in control of only uh, ending his life if things went wrong. But when she's in control and there's that concern he has, not only just for himself, but for her, it's, it puts him in her shoes for once. I liked it. And, and keep in mind, it's her speeding with a normal car, not on a racetrack. Um, but also she says something to the effect of, 
basically I don't want you to hide what you really want from me just because you think it's what I want to hear. Like I may disagree with it, but you need to be honest about who you are as a person to me. We're, we're married. And I like, I know you better. I know. Uh, but also the end of that scene is he's like, look, I've not agreed to anything. I've not agreed to get back behind the wheel. Um, but you know, they're, they're offering this and I'm mulling it over and she's like, they're offering how much money? <laughs> and then just like, she does put a price on his head. And that sounds cold, but there's a warmth to how they play it, where she's like, okay, so this does have some practical value. It's not just you wanting to say, I want to get in the fastest car possible, because I think you believe that this guy may do this for free. Like, he may, because for him it is just, like the end of the film, he has a great line where he's like, look, you didn't promise me a win, you just promised me the drive. And I think she has to somewhat keep him in check of, like, people could use you. And they do kind of use this guy, but it's, it's a real, you know, the ending of the film is really hard for me to wrap my sort of emotions around because I'm so pissed. And then, and then his view of it and her view of it to where, um, you know, he finally, finally saw it as something that was a shared experience and it was not just about him. You know, know, there's a push pull there too, where I'm like, okay, is this a good ending? Is this like, you know, it's just bittersweet, I guess. But there's a lot of little sequences like that. And it's about a damn movie of how fast can we get this car to go down that stretch? So it's, I think it's extremely well done. I mean, I don't know if it appealed to the, uh, you know, too fast, too furious crowd, but I like to think so. I like to, (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) You don't think so. (laughs) You don't think the, uh, the same men were touched by, you know, Paul Walker saying, I promised you a, quarter mile car or something well specifically like, too same. fast too furious that's a terrible movie that specific one that's the outlier <laughs> no i actually think the first three and a half films are pretty bad but i may be in the minority hmm i i think i you know we're uh this is a tangent but and one i've not properly uh vetted the series like in the last i don't know five to six years i'm gonna go with the uh fourth one the soft reboot of getting the cast back together. But before they got the rock, when they bring the rock into it, then it becomes this whole other thing. Fast five is the, you know, the empire strikes back (laughs) fast and furious movies (laughs) or the Godfather two. If you'd rather, you know, obviously Shaw and Hobbs is the solo. (laughs) That's what that is. Yeah. See, (laughs) the analogy holds. I I think. think so. want to talk about the actual ending okay this is where you had a problem with because i did continue the thread on the twitter but i'll let you explain it to our listeners who are not up to date on at web is trying and his every move <laughs> on twitter well i remember when david fincher's uh, girl with the dragon tattoo came out and the way that it was advertised which worked brilliantly for me was like this is the feel bad movie of the year 
And mm-hmm. I was very mm-hmm. happy with that. I was like, that's exactly what I expect from Fincher. And uh, I'm very happy to get it here. And especially after seeing the original, uh, I think, Swedish version. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'd love to see his take on this. It didn't work for the film at all. It did terribly. <laughs> but... Uh, the marketing? Yeah, what were they... They thought people release it around Christmas time, and they're like, I do want to feel bad. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Fincher. (laughs) The real feel-bad film of the year is Ford v. Ferrari. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Like, I I was really upset, obviously, when Miles didn't get the recognition that he deserved, and he did You know, it was such Mm -hmm. horseshit, and you hate uh, uh, Josh Lucas even more in that moment. And you really do want Shelby to knock him out. But you know what? <laughs> I'm glad you stopped there. Like, I wanted him to die on the tracks. It just turns into to drive. And just, Matt Damon is just Ryan Gosling. Puts on the Scorpion jacket. <laughs> <and just laughs> oh, I, that's that's the version I want to see. <laughs> if, they, if they broke the tone at the, at the last gasp. I would have to admire them for going super violent right there. It's like uh, from Dust Till Dawn, where you're like really into the movie, and then all of a sudden it becomes complete schlock. You're like, oh. <laughs> like, okay, I guess this is what we're watching now. <laughs> Anyhow. And in that moment, though, you get to see uh, Mr. Ferrari uh, look over at Miles and give him that like nod or the tip of the cap or whatever. And you're like, that's the victory. It's like us. When uh, at R2 is good, says, I like trilogy. And three. Just like... <laughs> that is the tip of the cap. <laughs> and that's the real victory for the character. And, and he is never really all about the glory anyways. I mean, he's about saying he's the best. But now you've got Ferrari, the best of the best. The guy who owns, you know, the, the most desirable car, giving him that bit of respect. And I loved it. And then he and... Shelby walk away thinking about what else can be improved ever the perfection I was like beautiful roll credits and they don't they make us suffer through watching this character we've been <laughs> loving and and this character we've been rooting for for two hours burn in his car it's it's brutal and then the epilogue is Shelby going to his home and bothering his wife and kid? And I'm just like, this is grotesque. <laughs> and so I left the theater in complete shambles. My poor wife, I took her to this movie, and we were both having a good time. She doesn't give a crap about racing either. and But we're both invested. And sure enough, we, we and she, he turned to me. He's like, why, why did they end it like that? I was like, I don't know why they ended it like that. So... Do you think that is, um, especially, I mean, I don't know if they, they knew that they had an Oscar contender. You know, I, I hope they, they had a little bit more uh, insight into their, their chances than I would. Of like, oh, racing movie, whatever. Like, I'm hoping they had a little more confidence because they knew they had a good product, good material. But I wonder if that's just the modern information access that we have where they feel like, all right, this man... He, you know, he lived behind the wheel. And now we've, he died. We can't be uh, dishonest because then there's going to be a thousand BuzzFeed 
clickbait articles of like, you know, the dark secrets that Ford v Ferrari <laughs> didn't show you. Like, yeah, you enjoyed Christian Bale's that uh, race car driver. What did you know he fucking died in a car? They didn't want to tell you that because they didn't want you to be sad. And I, I don't, I feel like that's it is terrible because you're right. There is like a natural ending, and there's like a those couple beats later. But I don't know how you do it, Webb, because then you you can't. <laughs> I don't know if you can just go to text, which they still do. They're like, you know, the legacy lives on. The text is actually the strange positive thing. But in your ending, do you have them walking off into the sunset and they're like, and then he died? <laughs> like you can't do that either. So I don't know. They're they're kind of stuck. Like if the man had passed away from you know some horrible disease like cancer, I would say, yeah, leave that out. But I, I think they are kind of stuck because he does die doing the very thing you've celebrated him for for the last two hours. So I, I kind of understand it that they didn't want to, you know, pull one over on you. I, I'm sorry you had to go through that trauma, but you were going to go through it eventually anyway. And at least this, at least Matt Damon got to ease your pain by crying with you uh, or being upset with you instead of you just you're in the car with your wife going home and you're like he fucking died like six yeah. months later in a car crash <laughs> like it was gonna happen well my most recent viewing for this podcast i made sure to turn it off right as they walked off into the sunset i'm never watching that epilogue ever again and i and i enjoyed the movie quite a bit and in the my theatrical experience was completely ruined because of that ending. But from now on, I know <laughs> the 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 web bis cut is never going to be released. Obviously, but <laughs> it's the only way that I can watch this movie because the tone for the entire film is not dour at all. There's a goal that these characters are striving towards, um, and Shelby in all his little antics to make sure that. Miles gets the opportunity. He gets that drive. It's always very enjoyable. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just don't know why. And I agree with you. They're in a bad position. You don't know how to get this information across without, <laughs> you know, making the audience a little upset. But there you have it. I, I'm. I, if Sorkin wrote this thing, you were upset. <laughs> if Sorkin wrote this thing, there's no way he dies. That's the version I want. But I could, you know, I. I could not have imagined that I would really look up this movie any further or the real events any further than the film. I think <laughs> I like to imagine, I like to imagine a web who's like, I was thoroughly entertained. Don't tell me any more details. <laughs> I don't need anything more from you. <laughs> I, you know, how about like a documentary or something on the special features being like, you know, Ken Miles, the man and the death, whatever. <laughs> Just, that's so weird that you bring that up because uh, during this conversation, because I had the you know I had Twitter up, which I rarely do, but I actually wanted to quote your great content on there where you're harassing people for things they like. And be like, what about that terrible ending though? Don't you feel bad for, about yourself? How can you be comforted by this? Uh, where someone was uh, positing, uh, not related to our show, of course, but they're like, why don't you know what happened to commentary tracks? Why aren't they as prevalent anymore? Like. Do directors not want to do them? Do they not have anything interesting to say? And it was like one of those polls. And I said, well, probably like the collapse of the physical 
media home video market had a lot to do with it <laughs> and a random light comes through like yeah death to dvds <laughs> and i'm like that's not a tweet you like, <laughs> like unless you i guess you're agreeing with me but it just looks weird like it's not anyone that follows me it's just a, a rando that's that hates <laughs> physical media <laughs> you think twitter needs to expand upon that not just like but agree with but you know all the different <laughs> versions of likes agree with and like disagree with but respect you'll never get that you will never get disagree with but respect <laughs> on twitter you're insane <laughs> that is a waste of their, of their coding time sir 